Hey there folks, my name's Ian Loring, welcome to Cinerama, hope you're doing well. Coming up on this week's show, uh, reviews including Tom Cruise's latest attempt to uh, kickstart his uh, movie star persona and career with uh, the Brian Singer directed Valkyrie. And uh, another week, another big awards heavy hitter with the uh, uh, multiple nominated Frost Nixon um, yeah, be reviewing that as well, and also the very last part of this incredibly long Dario Argento marathon as I take a look at Max von Sydow in Sleepless. Also, movie news and listener feedback. No trailer talk this week, as quite simply, there's nothing of note that's really come out, so hey. Um, so... If you're expecting Oscar talk, um, I actually did a special 20 minute or so podcast on Thursday which is available on the iTunes feed and you can also download the second drunk commentary as I looked at Death Race 2000, that's the original version of Death Race, not the remake. Okay, feedback is very much welcome. Please email cineramapodcast at yahoo.co.uk. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Ian Loring. I'm currently setting up a Tumblr blog, and I'll have some more details about that next week. Um, uh, Votes on Podcast Alley, uh, muchly, muchly appreciated. As of Wednesday, uh, we were only one vote uh, behind film spotting, which was uh, nice. and I believe might have been on the same number of votes as movies you should see. So that's 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 great. So thank you to uh, those who uh, did that. And uh, yeah, reviews on iTunes also uh, greatly appreciated. So uh, we're going to start off this week with Tom Cruise uh, playing an American, playing a German in Valkyrie. <laughs> We can save Europe from total destruction. We have to show the world that not all of us will like him. It is too great a risk. It doesn't change what we must do. What did you have in mind? You could serve Germany or the Fuhrer. Not both. It's just that talk that had you sent here, Colonel. What I said was much worse. I'm a soldier, but in serving my country, I have betrayed my conscience. We need to reorganize. There has to be a chance of success. That's why you're Okay, so Valkyrie is our lead review this week, directed by Brian Singer. It stars Tom Cruise, Bill Nighy, Kenneth Branagh, Tom Wilkinson, Carice von Houten, Thomas Kretschmann, Terence Stamp, and Eddie Izzard. A very, very, very big cast. Okay, uh, so Valkyrie is based on the true story of the last plot to try and assassinate Hitler. Uh, Colonel Klaus von Stauffenberg, played by Tom Cruise, um is recruited into a team which is headed up by uh, Major General Henning von Tresco, played by Kenneth Branagh, and General Friedrich Olbricht, played by Bill Nighy, um, to involve a plan uh, about instigating an operation called Operation Valkyrie. Uh, Probably the less I tell you uh, here, the more you'll actually enjoy the film. 
the film follows the um, the coming together of the plot and its uh, of, of rather obvious uh, failure. Okay, so Valkyrie is the first film in three or f- well, getting on for four years by uh, Brian Singer, whose last film, Superman Returns, was. I think it's fair to say uh, rather received rather lukewarmly, um, despite a uh, five-star uh, review in Empire. I uh, I do remember that, and um, it sees him teaming up with someone else who needs to kickstart their career, Tom Cruise, who uh, got a lot of goodwill for his role in Tropic Thunder, but um, has not really had too big a hit in uh, quite a few years now. Uh, Valkyrie was uh, plagued with production problems, um, controversy surrounding Tom Cruise's Scientology background, um, reshoots rumoured to be about uh, fixing Tom Cruise's awful, apparently, German accent, and uh, also uh, a a row just generally about British and American actors not even trying to put on a voice uh, to play German. Um, the film actually opened pretty successfully over Christmas in the, U- uh, the US and actually received uh, mixed to positive reviews, I think it's fair to say. And so now it comes out in the UK uh, with quite a bit of publicity. Uh, controversial chat show host Jonathan Ross came back onto UK TV screens on Friday night after a three-month suspension and Tom Cruise was a guest. So um, the the films had a fair bit of publicity over here, and uh, the marketing's been uh, pretty damn strong as well. But what of the film? Well, I enjoyed it a hell of a lot more than I thought I would. Um, it's got its it's got its fair share of problems, but it really is a very engaging and intelligent film, which. Uh, is quite a successful meshing of the kind of actiony, blockbustery type stuff you would expect from Tom Cruise, and something a little bit more high-minded. Um, the film starts with maybe a rather ill-advised, uh, a, a kind of semi-action sequence, which has nothing to do with the rest of the film. And apparently, um, this bit was one of the reshoots because test audiences felt that the film needed a bit more kick, but. You know, okay, there's not a lot of action. There's, there's one bloody good explosion, but um, aside from that, you know, there's not a lot of action in there. But that's not really what this film is about. It's it kind of takes on the usual kind of getting a team together um, method of, of quite a few old school films. I'm thinking particularly of the uh, the Wild Geese, and um then the the it, the film has to kind of take a darker turn as as the wheels come off the mission and um what is interesting about that aspect is that von staffenberg is not a perfect character there's a fair bit of bullheadedness about him um he there's there's something crucial which he just assumes without actually knowing which uh, threatens the whole mission and um I would have liked to have seen a bit more of the fact that von Stauffenberg, you know, wasn't an absolute genius who knew, who had everything timed to perfection and whatnot. And uh, even though that's the only aspect of his character I would have liked to have actually seen more of, uh, I liked the fact that Brian Singer didn't concentrate on his relationship with his wife, because to be honest, in real life, I'm sure she wasn't too much of a focus anyway. So his wife's only actually in a few scenes um, and then and then disappears. And the, the the film is very much men on a mission. And um, 
what I also liked in particular was the um, conflict, uh, the increasing conflict through the film that he has with Bill Nighy's character. Um, their ideologies are the same, but one is rather stronger than the other. I'll say that much. And um, it it was um, it was very interesting to see the two spar with each other, even though you kind of knew who was going to win out in the end of the day. Um, yeah, I mean the cast is solid. The fact that they never really speak German and the fact that they're all using their own accents is a little jarring um, but in the end of the day I think it probably was the right decision because I think the if if they'd all try to do the accents they'd probably just get um, a lot of a, a lot of flack for that as well so um, I, I think it's just yeah just about right really um even though i would have liked to have seen tom cruise do a german accent that would have been interesting um brian singer uh shoots everything perfectly competently um it, uh, the film somehow had uh, a rather large budget even though it, it's all a lot of men standing around in rooms and talking for a lot of it even though I suppose some some of it is quite epic but um it is a question why the film did cost so much uh, I believe the budget was north of 100 million dollars and I can't help but think that Tom Cruise's fee was probably a large bit of that but um yeah I mean it's it, it, Brian Singer does a, a perfectly good job you know um the cast are all um without exception pretty damn strong actually and it was uh very weird to see eddie izzard in um a very very different role for him um even though i know in that tv series the riches he also very much plays against type um i've got a, f a feeling that general audience reaction i think younger people may not like it that much is it's not as action-packed as the trailers would um would have you believe um but it is it, it was it, it was far more engrossing than i expected it to be and i i must say i watched it with a massive massive hangover um and i wasn't quite in the mood for it at the time but i it it, it absolutely engaged me throughout um it's a, a incredibly depressing story but one which um just goes to show just how brave these people were but one other thing that i was a little iffy on which has just come to mind actually it kind of appears like half of hitler's inner sanctum were against him um it does feel like at times that you know how the hell did hitler actually um control so much when obviously a lot of people inside his own administration um hate him and um i felt that was maybe actually uh, a, a misstep by brian singer really even though i suppose he is going from true life events um but yeah i mean aside from a few niggles um it's the first real surprise of 2009 for me um i really really did enjoy it um it's, it's certainly not a perfect film, but and it's maybe a mite too long. Uh, the middle third is a little draggy, but it's not too bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're looking for something uh, intelligent but 
you know rather thrilling as well at the same time even though it's not all in the act in in action um then i would definitely recommend valkyrie um i mean it's not it's not an awards film even though i think they were maybe trying for it to be but it is a very well made um historical thriller which um i do very much intend on uh watching again um yeah i'm very very surprised and uh you know, hey, Tom Cruise is actually quite good in it, so, uh, you know, what can you say? Okay, news time. Got a few things for you this week. Let's get cracking straight into it. Uh, okay, we start with uh, David Fincher um, having a bit of a uh, problem with one of his uh, muted future projects, uh, Torso, uh, based on a uh, graphic novel of the same name by Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Andrico. Um this story of uh, the, as I quote from Chad, post-component uh, career of lawman Elliot Ness, um, the rights have apparently lapsed. Paramount have let the rights lap, uh, lapse, even though I don't think we're going to get any kind of Watchmen scenario going on here. Apparently, uh, they are in talks to try and uh, get the rights again. Um, this looks like quite an interesting uh, project for Fincher, though it is another serial killer film. But then a lot of people were saying, oh no, not another serial killer uh, film from Fincher after Seven, and then Zodiac came along. And I watched the director's cut on Blu-ray with uh, Donna last week, and Donna's not uber, uber into her films. Um, you know, we're a little bit chalk and cheese like that, but, you know, she'll she'll watch, she'll watch quite a lot of stuff. And um, she was quite interested in Zodiac, but we didn't stick it on till about half ten at night. And, you know, that, that fuck is like two hours, 40 minutes. Um, and she was she was thinking, right, we'll watch in two parts. She stayed glued to the screen for two hours and 40 minutes. You know, I mean, like, we barely even talked. Usually we do kind of, like, have a little chat during films and whatnot. But, you know, she was absolutely wrapped to the screen. And I've got... I've, I've uh, got to say, I loved her a little bit more than I already did um, at, at the start of the night uh, for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If Fincher can make fil uh, two serial killer films as good as, as Seven and Zodiac, then I'm very excited to see what he does with this. Um, especially considering the fact it's obviously going to be another um, period film. Um, so we shall see. Okay, next, uh, slightly surprising uh, word. Um, in an interview with uh, with Bill Hader, um, who is it from? Just so I can credit it. Do, 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 do. God damn it! Ah, Devin Faraci, uh, Chad. Okay, fair enough. And he said that um, he, along with a writing partner, is writing a potential slasher film. To be produced by Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow um, getting out of his box a little bit should be very interesting. When asked what it um, what it would be like, Bill Hader is quoted as saying, "It's partially Straw Dogs meets Halloween meets Home Alone meets Monster Squad. It is definitely about guys nowadays. That idea that you watch fucked up shit on TV, how violence in our culture. This sounds really hoity-toity. You watch fucked up reality shows. I love true crime shows." The idea of that thing coming to your house, and what do you do? I would shit my pants. That's basically what the movie is about. What if that guy decided to come to your house? What would you and your dipshit friends do about it? Sounds like a serial killer version of Shaun of the Dead. 
uh, produced by Judd Apatow. I'm I'm game. Um, I do like Bill Hader as well. Um, I'd like to see him kind of in more lead roles, really. Um, you know, he uh, he's had small roles in most Apatow films, but um, he's never really kind of been front and centre. And it would it would be nice to see it because I think he's got a nice line and kind of dry sarcastic wit and um in a slasher film that could be very interesting okay and lastly for this week um the great uh summer movie shuffle has uh struck again as sony have pushed roland emmerich's uh film 2012 back to november it's formally supposed to come out in july on july 10th right in the middle of the summer season it's now coming out november 13th which uh means it's going to go up against Sherlock Holmes. Uh, it's going to be out the week after The Wolfman and the week before New Moon. Wow. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. I suppose people want to see a big film in the winter, though that didn't do a lot of good for The Day the Earth Stood Still, even though that film wasn't any good either. But this film does look ridiculous, though the cast is good. Excuse me. Um, and yeah, but opening up against Robert Downey Jr.'s in Sherlock Holmes—that sounds like a bit of a dumb idea to me. Um, but thinking about it, November's going to be quite the blockbuster time, really. Wolfman 2012, Sherlock Holmes, and New Moon. Oh God, excuse me. Um. It does suggest that there is a lack of confidence in the film. Uh, while uh, Wolfman moved from April to November, or was it March to November, um, I think November's a far more suited time to open that film. But I really don't think it is for 2012. Um, we shall see, obviously. But uh, Roland Emmerich's really got to have a hit with this one, because after 10,000 BC, I think he's losing a bit of his uh, a bit of his appeal to studios. But, yeah, we shall see. So then... That will do you for movie news this week, and there will be more next week. Good evening. I shall resign the presidency at noon tomorrow. This is an historic day, the only time a president has ever resigned from office. Nixon knew about the Watergate cover-up. The man who has committed the greatest felony in American history will never stand trial. I've had an idea for an interview, Richard Nixon. You're a talk show host. I spent yesterday watching you interview the Bee Gees. When they terrific. Why would I want to talk to David Frost? I got half a million dollars. Really? <laughs> Frost has hired three crack investigators. Can I be crack one? Can I be deep crack? <laughs> Can I shake his hand? After everything he's done in this country? Are you kidding me? Oh, pleasure to meet you. Mr. President. That was devastating. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to get over that. Okay, so the uh, second review of the week is uh, Frost Nixon, directed by Ron Howard. Frost Nixon stars Frank Langella, Michael Sheen, Kevin Bacon, Sam Rockwell, Matthew McFadden, Oliver Platt, Rebecca Hall, and Toby Jones. Okay, uh, Frost Nixon is based on the stage play uh, of the same name, written by Peter Morgan, who also writes the screenplay and details the True Life series of interviews uh, of... Uh, Richard Nixon by David Frost. Uh, David Frost at that time was uh, a, a talk show host who was not really taken very seriously, and um, Richard Nixon had just left the uh, 
White House over the um, uh, Watergate affair. Um, Frost uh, tries to basically battle Richard Nixon in the film uh, and through uh, the help of his team, uh, uh, James Reston Jr., played by Sam uh, Rockwell, and uh, uh, John Burt, played by Matthew McFadden, and Bob Zelnick, played by Oliver Platt, um, he is uh, able to kind of strengthen up, and um, I think we all know pretty much what happens. Okay, so um, adapted from a stage play by uh, an award-winning uh, writer, directed by uh, a many-time award-winning director, uh, starring one of the old guard of Hollywood acting talent and uh, a new rising star who uh, also stars this week in the opening in the UK on the same day, Underworld Rise of the Lycans, which I must admit I have no interest in seeing whatsoever, um, uh, star Michael Sheen. So um, that's all the ingredients for uh, an Oscar uh, awards-worthy film, if ever there was one. Um, Frost Nixon uh, has had uh, generally good reviews, though um, I think some have questioned just how it's got nominated for five Oscars, um, and I, I suppose I shouldn't really say at this point what I think about it, um, but, well, actually, no, maybe I should, I <laughs> think uh, this is the review. So, um, how is Frost Nixon? Well, um... I don't think it should be getting all the awards attention that it has been getting, but at the same time, it's not a bad film at all. It's a solid three out of five, I, I would say, to be honest with you. And um, I think much of the positives come from the acting, with uh, every single person really putting in a fantastic performance. Um, Michael Sheen's known as being something of a bit of a chameleon, um, and he's done a fantastic job here in turning himself into David Frost. I was listening to the Mark Kermode podcast um, earlier on today, and he makes a very good point, which I'm going to steal, um, that uh, he gets the uh, kind of gestures, the idiosyncratic gestures of David Frost out of the way at the start. Um, for those of you outside the UK, um, you might not know too much about who David Frost is, but um, he's one of our most respected journalists, basically. And this whole encounter with Nixon was the making of him. Uh, and it, it, it's so weird to see uh, somebody so familiar just done so well, really. It doesn't happen often, um, but this performance is not really caricature. He just feels like David Frost. And... Um, I mean, it's really pretty incredible, as is Frank Langella as Richard Nixon, a figure who I don't know as much about, and um, I don't think he really looks too much like Richard Nixon, but he's got the, the voice and the inflections and the attitude down um, completely. His sense of just being right is uh, very, very well um, portrayed in the film. Um, Nixon's kind of assistant, if you will, um, played by Kevin Bacon. Um, he, he uh, Kevin Bacon, putting in another solid uh, role. Um, ever so slightly one note, maybe, but um, he does the job fine. Um, Sam Rockwell actually makes quite an impression as um, the the man who tries to convince David Frost to take this series of interviews more seriously and um, he's ably black backed by um, Oliver Platt and Matthew McFadden even though they kind of fade into the background a little bit 
Um, Rebecca Hall is uh, rather wasted as pretty much the only notable female in the cast. Um, her plot with Mike, uh, Michael Sheen, they've got good chemistry together, but I wouldn't be surprised if this wasn't in the stage play. I haven't seen the stage play, but it kind of f feels a little crowbarred in. Um, I suppose for good reason, really. I mean, it, you don't want just an all-male cast, really. Um, but she she is a little wasted, um, even though I, I, I quite like her, um, her roles so far, and I look forward to seeing her in Vicky Cristina Barcelona in a few weeks as well. Um, so, why did the film not impress me as much as I was hoping? Um, it's just the fact that the I know I know it, the play's been incredibly celebrated and whatnot, but it just felt ra all rather generic. I thought the plot points and whatnot were very um, were very telegraphed. I, I, I it was all very predictable. It was kind of connect the dots, and um, the fact that there's like a training montage in the film late on in the film, I thought was incredibly lazy. And um, I mean, it's basically rocky with interviews you've got somebody who's not taken very seriously at all um getting a big chance and through hard work and this the, the aspect of david frost actually knuckling down kind of comes from nowhere and um it's not i don't think it was very well direct uh kind of edited or directed to be honest it just kind of feels like oh shit we've only got 20 minutes of the film to go let's get him to not be the playboy anymore and um it yeah didn't quite pull off for me and um howard ron howard also makes a bizarre choice to um have in like interspersed in the film some kind of like interviews as if they're like now or something as if the whole thing is a documentary um where it's basically exposition time um could have been done just in a linear uh, time frame um, felt incredibly jarring and um, just did not work at all really I mean they don't even make that much effort to make them even look older and um, yeah that was that was a very odd decision I must say um, you know the performances are good enough that half the stuff they actually tell you could probably just get from the performance and it um, felt like a bit of a disappointment really but saying all this I mean the 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 big climactic moment is still absolutely thrilling. I mean, it's it's it, like Ron Howard said, it's all about uh, the power of the close-up. Again, Kermode said this, um, and uh, that is very well done uh, on on screen, probably better than it could be done on stage. And um, it's just seeing like Frank Langella's sweaty performance. Um, you can kind of almost see the cogs turning as he as he's kind of rattled by David Frost towards the end, and. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, the performances are the standout things in this. And if it wasn't for uh, Mickey Rourke's performance in The Wrestler, I'd say Frank Langella would be a shoe-in um, for uh, for the Oscar. But, um, yeah, it's overall, it's a, it was rather underwhelming, I felt. Like I said at the start of the review, it was a solid three-star film. But considering all the, all the attention it's been getting, it feels like one of those films which I've got a feeling, even though I haven't seen it, I've got a feeling Benjamin Button's going to do this as well. That's going to get nominated for loads, but barely win anything. Um, you know, I, it... I, I mean, an adapted screenplay, I think Slumdog Millionaire is far more successful. I think Danny Boyle's directing is far more successful. 
and uh, generally Slumdog Millionaire, which is generally being considered as the one to beat on Oscar night, um, is just a stronger film in pretty much every area apart from the acting, though the acting in Slumdog Millionaire is still good. Uh, well, very good. Um, the performances in Frost Nixon are what watching this film is all about. And um, I don't know. I was rather hyped up for this film. I was looking forward to it and uh, I was disappointed. But it's still very, very solid. I mean, it's still a recommended watch. But I never actually thought I'd say this before seeing the two films. But I would I would go for Valkyrie over um, Frost Nixon this weekend. And uh, yeah, kind of actually stuns me to say that listener feedback time and we'll get straight into it as i've got a fair bit this week which is uh which is great actually so uh thank you to everybody so then i'm going to start with uh josh lou who writes in again thank you josh uh joshua even and says uh, how's it going in thought i'd write in and comment on your latest podcast i'm actually jealous that your january movie going experience is with the wrestler while mine is with bride wars and the unborn i have to say it's nice to see two amazing directors aronofsky and boyle release two masterful films in the same year also i still think slumdog millionaire is the easy choice for the oscar win but the wrestler should also be considered anyway yeah fantastic film that maybe it's, it says something about my personality but i think the wrestler has one of the most uplifting endings of the year even more so than in slumdog i just love it as for my bloody Valentine, I have to disagree with you on the story. I thought it was terrible and can't imagine to uh, having seen this film in 2D. The story is direct-to-DVD at best, the acting was horrible, and the ageing of the characters ten years left me uh, later left me baffled, since they all looked exactly the same. And for the love of God, you would think as the killing started occurring, the miners would be like, hmm, perhaps it's time to take a break, but no, everyone goes on with business as usual. However, I still enjoyed the film purely for the 3D experience. It has one of the better uses of the 3D technology of any film I've seen since the in introduction of Real D. Uh, the next paragraph contains uh, a fair bit of spoilery material. Uh, so, Joshua, if you don't mind, I'm going to leave that for now and come back to it after I've talked about the rest so I can say spoilers here. Anyway, lastly, £7. Wow. I have no affinity for Will Smith, but I don't think he's ever acted this bad, especially with the scene you mentioned where he calls the guy and starts screaming at him to see if he will get a rise out of the guy. And then after he hangs up, he breaks down crying and loudly weeping, pressing the phone against his chest. I was like, my God, what's going on? End the film now, please. Uh, next, uh, next sentence is spoilery. Uh, it's arbitrary happenstance like the spoiler that he just said, that in, uh, like that instance that really dragged the film down. The secret should have been that you'll get so angry at the film that when it ends you would have sweated so much you'll lose £7 worth of weight. <laughs> nice. Anyway, uh, keep up the great what, uh, work. I know you've already decided on your next drunk commentary, but how about doing one on a, like, a serious yet light movie like Casablanca? Or on my worst movie of all time, House of the Dead. If you want a good movie, how about a drunk com a comedy on a movie best watched high? Drug commentary, uh, comedy, I think he means that. Uh, Pineapple Express. Also, for your next DVD uh, reviews, I think he means some marathons. Uh, how about Hitchcock films or movies by Alejandro uh, Jodorowsky? Great show as always, and welcome to Movie Watching in HD Heaven. Joshua. Thank you, Joshua. Uh, so I'll talk about the non-spoilery stuff first. Um... Yeah, one of the good things about being in the UK is that in January we do get all the awardsy stuff, and then in but in December we just get the blockbustery stuff. But it does kind of suck that we have to wait for the awardsy stuff. Like uh, Benjamin Button is still not out in the UK; it comes out on February the sixth. 
and um, I'm getting very impatient for that, even though it is only two weeks away now. But um, yeah, Bride Wars and, and the Unborn, that must be uh, yeah, it must be pretty bad. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, like, obviously the Oscar nominations were last week, and the wrestler got shut out of most major co- uh, categories. To be honest with you, Slumdog would be the only film that I've seen out of the list, which I've only seen a couple, that I'd actually be uh, pleased for it to win. Um, it does look like it's going Slumdog's way, though, doesn't it? Um, right. Uh, spoilers coming up for My Bloody Valentine 3D. Um, if you do not want to know about the killer or uh, which film I was comparing um, the kind of cheat ending to, uh, please skip uh, through the next couple of minutes. Right, paragraph goes, on an aside note, yeah, I have to say the cheat ending, I'm guessing you're comparing it to Hot Tension, um, aka Switchblade uh, Romance in the UK, and it didn't make much sense. I mean, they keep showing things from Tom's point of view, how he's locked up and all, and seeing things happen from far away, but he's the killer. How is that possible? Hot Tension did it in a much better and creative way, and I guessed he was the killer since the beginning, but since it was a cheat, I dismissed the idea, but well, there you go, Hollywood at its best. Yes. The fact... What pisses me off about this is the fact that they say that he couldn't have got um he couldn't have got um out of that cage he, and, and pretty much he couldn't have twisted that lock up himself means that you do completely discount it and i've been thinking about this and it's actually pissed me off more that i think about it because because of that because of the fact that they're actually saying in the world of the film yes it is impossible for him to actually be considered a suspect because of this it's a real cheat. I mean, it is a complete cheat, and yes, it is done better in, in Hot Tension. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I like the film overall. I doubt I'll ever watch it again. But the, the 3D is a lot of fun. Um, okay. Uh, I, I'll try uh, the £7 bit. I'll try to not get spoilery. Um yeah, I mean, I agree, Josh, Joshua, as you know from um, from listening to my review. Um, yeah, that, that sequence at the beginning is both jarring and just awfully acted, um, as is most of the film. And, uh, God, I, I mean, I don't want to talk about £7 anymore. That film just annoyed the shit out of me. Um, yeah, Pineapple Express, if anyone wants to give me some weed, I'll, sm- I'll smoke and do a commentary. That's fine, probably. I don't know. Um, and yeah, uh, I don't think I'm going to be doing another drunk commentary for a, for a little while just because, uh, I'm back at work today. So, uh, yeah, never mind. But, and, uh, thank you very much for the, uh, the marathon ideas as well. Um, one of those was actually suggested by somebody else as well. So, um, we shall see. Right. Thank you again, Joshua. Um, right. Um, okay. Uh, I should also uh, mention once again, a bit uh, indulgently, I suppose, uh, Joshua does an excellent uh, podcast along with co-host Penny um, uh, Penny Lamb, uh, the uh, Cinema Cafe podcast, which uh, is out every week. Uh, he reviews a lot of new films. Um, I don't quite know how he sees as many films as he does. I, I can say that because I'm a projectionist. It's part of my job. But, um, he's, yeah, I mean, he sees uh, pretty much all the major new releases, apart from the ones that obviously look like crap. I'm assuming he's not going to be reviewing Underworld Rise of the Lycans this week. Uh, and it's a cracking little show, actually, I must say. Um, right. 
Okay, following on. Uh, Jason. Uh, yes, Jason Farrell, um, who uh, was talking to me about the original Funny Games and then uh, wrote. I've only seen the original version of Funny Games. Both my girlfriend and I had the movie on our Netflix queues, but she had the remake while I had the original. So hopefully that will be coming up soon and I can see that version as well. I thought it was really pretty amazing, as well as prescient, what with Hostel and the like. I've only seen one other Haneke film, Cache, which I liked as well, but Funny Games was on another level. I was asking myself while watching it whether or not my reaction to the movie would have been the same if I'd known nothing about it, particularly the fact that the actors would sometimes break the fourth wall and make the audience complicit in the events they're watching. Trust me when I tell you that I'm not the rubber-necking type. If I drive past an accident, the last thing I want to do is peer at it to see if I can see bloody limbs and severed heads. As a kid, a house on our block suddenly exploded. I mean, really exploded. It was matchsticks. I was virtually the only person not to gawk at it. A man was hit by a car and killed outside a grocery store I worked at as a teenager, and I was horrified by the gleeful descriptions of leaking brains offered up by employees and customers alike. I don't need other people to suffer to remind me that I'm alive. But, despite all that, I really wonder if Haneke would still have gotten me with this film. It reminds me of a book I'm reading now, The Road, by Cormac McCarthy, of No Country for Old Men fame. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but basically it's about a man and his son wandering the US after some undescribed apocalypse that has burned everything, killed most, and covered the land with a greyish ash. For pages and pages, all the characters do is try to stay dry, make fires, find food, and look at a bleak and blasted landscape. It's beautiful in its way, but mostly de uh, depressing, repetitive, and tedious. Eventually, you learn that there are other human survivors, but most of them are road agents, lying in wait for other survivors to beat, capture, and devour. Nasty, nasty business. I feared for the safety of the man and the boy, uh, but, and this is where I get to the heart of the matter, a part of me wanted them to encounter these homicidal cannibals just so something would happen. Endless, unchanging survival, it turns out, is very boring. I don't want them to die exactly, but I wouldn't say with certainty that I might not want them to almost die just to serve my need as a reader for thrills and action. Well, if the people in Funny Games had just sat there chatting with their captors, that wouldn't have been very interesting, would it? Anyway, I thought Funny Games was very, very effective, and I think it stayed well on the non-gratuitous side while still being uncompromising. I liked how the death of the child was handled, for example. Hearing the shots and then the wails of, uh, wails of grief from the other room while one of the boys calmly went about his business in the kitchen was as chilling as it could have been, I think. More so, in fact. Many people have made the point about evil, true evil being very banal, no moustache twirling in sight. But knowing that doesn't make it any less frightening. Slightly related note, are you ever disappointed by watching a director, actor, etc. explain a movie that you thought was profound or thought-provoking? Maybe not, since I know what a huge fan you are of commentary tracks, documentaries and the like. I often have that reaction, though. I watched an interview with Haneke about Cachet, and it diminished slightly my appreciation for the film. Often people don't, tr uh, don't think things out as thoroughly as fans would like to think, or they do things unintentionally that we might think they were brilliant choices. It's like a magician explaining how he did a magic trick. It loses its mystery, and therefore much of its luster. Lastly, just a quick note on the Oscar nominations. It's a shame Dark Knight didn't get much uh, uh, more love. No matter how much money they make or how seriously their creators trust the, uh, uh, treat them, so-called comic book movies are still viewed with a lens of disdain by too many people. I'm a big comic uh, book fan myself, though not of superhero books, and it frustrates me how many people smugly assume that comics are beneath them, even as they're pulling out the latest VC Andrews true crime book or something. Sigh. It's also too bad that The Wrestler was largely ignored. 
I didn't see a lot of the nominees either, so I can't make many direct comparisons, but it doesn't seem likely that there were five better films this year. I am very happy about all the nominations for Slumdog, though, and if it wins a bunch of them, that will make it up to me. Uh, Alright man, that's it for now. I've seen Benjamin Button, a lucky American dweller as I am, but I, uh, I'll wait until you've seen it to compare notes on that one. Take it easy, Jason. Uh, thank you very much, Jason. Um, okay, so I'm just going to uh, get the email out that I sent him back just so I can um, uh, uh, get my mind into gear. Um, yeah, so I don't know whether it was on this show or on my old show, which I did for about... Ooh, Excuse me. Uh, which I did for about uh, six months or so, but I've got a feeling it was this show. Um, but I actually did a Michael Haneke marathon. I believe it might have been my first marathon. Um, what films did I do? Uh, Benny's Video, Funny Games, uh, The Piano Teacher, uh, The Seventh Con... No, not The Seventh Continent. What was it called? Code Unknown and uh, Hidden. Um, so... I don't think it's actually available in the archive anymore either, and um, a lot of my old shows are on my old laptop, well, Donna's old laptop actually, so uh, I need to get to the hard drive um, to access them, so that's a shame, but um, yeah, I really like funny games to be honest, um, I think the difference between the, uh, the original and the remake are marginal, I think the remake has slightly better acting, I'm thinking particularly from Michael Pitt and Naomi Watts, um, yeah, his comparison about the the road is is an interesting one um i read the road uh a while back and um he's quite right to be honest i think cormac mccarthy was maybe trying to get across the banality of it all because apart from a few set pieces it is just very long descriptions and a couple of uh uh rather sparse flashback sequences and um yeah, I think it's part of human nature that um, you you want uh, darkness as well as uh, light. Um, you don't read a book like No Country for All Men or The Road um, to uh, have a, a fun-filled, light, frothy time. Um, I, oh, good. I thought it actually spoiled the ending of The Road for him there. I just said, though, the ending of The Road I felt was incredibly abrupt, and I can't help but think the ending is part of the reason for the film's delay, which I uh, hold hold up with, actually. And um, I thought the message was a little bit confused as well about what exactly it was trying to say. Um, even though I, rem I, I remember when I saw Funny Games US at, um, at a local multiplex, and uh, I went with a couple of friends of mine who had also seen the original. Seeing the reactions of people at the end of the film was absolutely priceless. I think most of them went thinking it was some sort of torture porn film, and uh, yeah, that that was fun. Um, yeah, so um, can films be ruined by kind of analysis of them, whether by uh, the filmmakers themselves or other people? I think is an interesting one i mean we all know spielberg doesn't do commentaries and that is particularly the reason why he kind of while he doesn't mind talking about the, the specific making of the film what he was trying to do thematically i think he likes to keep his cards close to his chest but one of the the fun 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 things about um liking films so much for me is interpretation so um i think i'm okay with people having different opinions and things maybe not being as profound or maybe more profound than I think um, 
even though when you get into the idea of ownership of the film um or i mean the auteur theory quite simply states that the director is the author of the film so if that's the case then does that mean the author of the film is the person who has the final say on what the theme of it is well i think no i think all art is open to free interpretation to be honest with you um and but yeah Haneke's always got a very particular idea for what he wants his films to say and um i can't say i always agree with them but i think that's part of the fun of particularly his films as well overall i'm not quite sure where i come on the on the argument of the auteur theory though i think it depends on certain directors i'd certainly say somebody like a modern day auteur would probably be guillermo del toro um while he always works with large crews i think he very very much owns his films they all follow his own same kind of style thematically and visually and um it's going to be interesting to see where that puts him with uh, the hobbit and the uh, the film joining the hobbit and the lord of the rings um yeah on friday night i actually had a rather heated drunken argument with a friend of mine about um dark knight not getting oscar nominations and he was saying about how it's just a silly um superhero film and thing is when it comes to talking about films i think i get i fair i kind of shut off from other people sometimes i mean when uh, a, a viewpoint uh, and uh, is so against mine um i i tend not to listen i'll be honest and um i did in that case and um yeah it's just it's just the fact that it's a seemingly silly film you know um I'll be honest, and I know this isn't going to please Joshua or Penny at the Cinema Cafe podcast, I, in a way, I thought Gran Torino was just as silly, but then that still got shut out um, at the Oscars. Um, I enjoyed Gran Torino, I'm going to be reviewing it in a few weeks, I will just say that, but there were some fucking elements in that film, and um, i I got to say, I was kind of glad that it didn't really get the uh, the Oscar the oscar nominations that some people were thinking it would um but yeah i mean in uh, just the fact that i think the dark knight is a better film all round than frost nixon easily um i'm beating on that film on this show today and i don't really mean to but you know i'm, I'm gonna see the reader and i'm gonna see milk um god what was the other one slumdog milk the reader frost nixon Ben Button, but obviously I'm going to see Ben Button in a couple of weeks when it comes out over here on February 6th. But um, yeah, I still I do still think The Dark Knight should have been up there. But hey, okay, uh, thank you, Jason. Um, next, uh, Wilson McLaughlin uh, emails in again. Uh, thank you, Wilson, and says, Ian, just listen to the new show. It is strange to hear your own email read out on air. Thought I would share my thoughts about The Wrestler, which I saw a couple of days ago. I am a Mickey Rourke fan. I have always liked him, especially in his early roles like Rumblefish, uh, Last Coppola Classic, and Diner. He has always had the Brando-esque acting ability in both the good and bad senses. This performance from Rourke is comparable to Brando in On the Waterfront and De Niro and Raging Bull, but it has an extra dynamic of a light comedic touch that neither De Niro nor Brando could have brought to the role. I cannot emphasise how much I enjoyed uh, the Rourke in this film. He is equally adept at the emotional scenes as he is with the physical scenes in the ring. I was glad to hear you praise Marissa Tomei, as I uh, feel that everyone has been so focused on Rourke that they have forgotten how wonderful she is in the film. 
Aronofsky's camera work in cinema verite style works really well with the story and captures an almost documentary feel. This, after the lush visuals of The Fountain, really solidify how talented the man is. I look forward to his next film. I also saw The Reader recently, and it is an early contender for worst film of the year, in my opinion. Oh, there you go. Uh, though, first for the good, Kate Winslet is brilliant. She plays a flinty, aggressive, and repressed woman whose character dominates every scene she is in. Frankly, Winslet is probably the, boast, uh, the, boast, the best actress working today. She uglies herself up, but the performance is so much beyond just this physical transformation. It is the emotion she projects in every scene, worth every uh, recognition she is getting. Ralph Fiennes is also very good, giving a typical Fiennes performance of a man on the edge of a breakdown while wearing a suit. Bruno Ganz gives a nice cameo. Now for the bad. The film is so generic I think I may refer to it in the future as a poor Ron Howard film. Nice. Uh, it is visually non-existent, the music is invasive and meant to be emotionally stirring, instead it overwhelms scenes by telling the audience how to feel. The number of generic, serious scenes are unbelievable. I will not mention any here for fear of spoilers, but you will know what I mean when you have seen it. Uh, David Cross does not have the performance to carry a whole film and is completely unbelievable as the protagonist. The three-act structure is poorly paced and seems confused by what it is attempting to achieve. Perhaps what is most disappointing for me was that the film raised interesting questions about the nature of guilt, but then overlaid it with sanitised Hollywood nonsense, thereby crippling the emotional heft of the film. I did not like Daldry's previous work, but I expect even the Daldry fans will be immensely disappointed by what is a terribly overwrought Hollywood serious in quotation marks film. Keep up the good work. The podcast was excellent as always. Wilson. Uh, thank you very much, Wilson. Um, yeah, that, I mean, I, 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 that's a really good point that I think Wilson makes about Mickey Rourke there. Um, you know, there are moments of seriousness, but he's not afraid to give it a light touch as well. And I think it kind of makes it a bit more rounded than many other actors would have uh, would would have actually given the role. And, I mean, The Wrestler is, is a funny film as well. I mean... I've seen it twice. I really cannot wait to get it on Blu-ray as well. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I've noticed our our print. I don't know whether it's just because it was print uh, a print made in the UK, but it, or maybe it's the film itself. I don't know. If somebody could tell me, it there's quite a bit of kind of graininess to it, and I'm thinking that might be the old cinema verite style working in it. But um, I, I'd li- I'd quite like to know actually whether um, the prints you saw were just nice and clear or whether there was a bit of graininess to it because uh yeah i don't know i don't know um but yeah no i mean um yeah the camera work in cinema verite style were were brilliant i i i feel and um yeah i think marissa tomei at least she got an oscar nomination but she's not getting a lot of love for this film uh, uh, uh overall and i think it's a shame but then mickey rourke's performance is kind of so strong that it, in a way it's not a surprise but her performances as well so hey um, I can't say anything about the reader, I'm afraid. I am going to see it, just because I need to have an opinion on it. Um, but, yeah, just the, the ridiculous mixed reactions that film has got. A friend of mine um, was having a real bitch about it at work last night, about how he thought Revolutionary Road was a far better film than the reader was. And I'm actually seeing Revolutionary Road tonight, so at least I'll have an opinion on that film for next week's podcast. Um, but, yep, yeah, I think that will probably do it for now uh but i hopefully will talk about the reader at some point on the show okay so thank you very much for that wilson and we're going to finish up here with uh james mcnulty who writes in again um who says 
Hey Ian, been a long time since my last email and I just thought I'd drop you a line with regards to your latest podcast. First of all, concerning your review of The Wrestler. I agree with the fact that it will probably be one of the best films of the year, but I fear it may go the way of There Will Be Blood or No Country for All Men, as those films were forgotten by most reviewers when looking at the best of 2008. Also, it struck me when watching the film that if you remove the scenes where you see actual wrestling going on, then this film could just be a sort of biopic, something along the lines of Mickey Rourke needs work. With regards to your review of My Bloody Valentine 3D, I'd been planning on seeing this film for quite some time, so when it was released I got some friends together and we went to see it in our local Odeon. The fatal mistake we realised upon arrival was that it wasn't showing in 3D, actually no cinemas in my local area are showing it in 3D. Why would a cinema that doesn't have 3D capability be showing a film that is specifically sold on this very feature? But still, after actually watching the film, I realised that uh, seeing it might get taken at... at, Seeing a midget get taken out by a pickaxe is always worth admission, 3D or not. That is very true. Um, Also, recently a friend of mine uh, brought it to my attention that the Times newspaper have started giving away free advance screener tickets to some of this year's uh, Oscar big hitters. This is something that probably most of the UK listeners will know about, but it still just thought it was worth mentioning. I saw Frost Nixon last Sunday, and I'm going to be seeing The Curious Case of Benjamin Button this Sunday. Lucky bastard. Um, that's me. I must mention that the one downside of this offer is that the showings are early Sunday mornings, and you have to arrive half an hour in advance to guarantee a ticket. But it's still worth getting out uh, up that early and hungover to see a film almost a full week early and for free. James, if you saw Ben Button hungover, how was that, bud? Oh dear me! I've got I've got to imagine that must have been some work. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's an interesting point. Now, I talked about it on the uh, uh, year end review show, and I know uh, Mike at Chinstroke versus Punter on their uh, excellent Dirty Harry episode um, talked about this as well about the fact that uh, you know in the US there will be bland no country for old men uh, came and like Dave Bell the Butterfly and Juno uh, came out in 2007 over there so uh, it wasn't in their 2008 lists obviously but yeah um, some I think some critics have kind of forgotten that No Country for All Men and There Will Be Blood came out in 2008 in the UK and uh, I know Mondo Movie uh, they just did like films they saw for the first time in 2008 for their 2008 preview which is fair enough but I don't know it's just it's just a bit of a shame really but then I think a lot of people in the US didn't have the chance to see Hunger which was my number three you know so um I I think it's kind of swings and roundabouts but I think it does tip in the US's favor um yeah the interesting thing about the wrestler is everybody saying it's uh it's like a biopic of um mickey rourke and i do i do agree but it must be pointed out that the uh film's writer robert siegel was uh, did originally write it apparently as more of a comedy and nicholas cage was set to star so uh imagine that Uh, yeah bad um yeah my bloody valentine 3d now i've got to say all all the promotional material for that film standees posters trailers have really been bigging up 3d and then just say my bloody valentine 3d 3d in selected cinemas kind of a thing and um i believe i was actually off last week when it was having its opening week but i i I believe there were quite a few people asking whether it was in 3d and then deciding not to see it um I noticed on one of the staff notice boards last night when I, I went in for my uh, first night back in that it actually said, my bloody Valentine is not 3D, please tell every customer. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, uh, there's only one 3D capable cinema in Bristol. So, um, and I, I mean, like I had to pay for the cinema, which is uh, a bit weird for me these days. But um, I think we're going to see 3D 
get expanded way more this year and i wouldn't be surprised if studios start paying for it i know on slash film they had a story last week about paramount apparently paying for a lot of uh, american cinemas to um convert to 3d and i mean the simple fact is you can charge more for 3d um they're gonna make more money out of 3d and it's something to get people into the cinemas the fact is my blu-ray through my hdtv i think looks better than traditional 35 millimeter film maybe it's just maybe i'm just willing myself to think that but i think it's i think the backlight helps certainly but it's it's brighter it's sharper and it just feels more defined and you know cinemas have got to think of a way of getting people into the cinemas and um you know you're talking about your real committed film fans as well and one of the aspects is going to be 3d so i would not be surprised if in the uk considering the amount of 3d capable films that are coming out this year uh i mean culminating with james cameron's avatar if that does come out in 2009 then i think studios are pretty much going to like have to force themselves to get uh 3d into cinemas one way or the other so um we shall see i think it's going to be an interesting year though Right, so that is it for feedback, nearing half an hour, so I should call it quits there. Uh, thank you very much to everybody who has fed back, and I hope to have more next week. Right then, we have reached the last part of the Dario Argento Marathon, taking a look at his 2001 film. Well, actually, I suppose it was probably ma- yeah, made in 2000, but hey. Um, Sleepless, which stars Max von Sydow, Stefano Dionisi, Chiari Caselli, Roberto Zibetti, and Gabriel uh, Lavia. Okay, Sleepless uh, concerns the story of the dwarf killer, uh, a killer who went on a killing spree in an area of uh, Turin um, in 1983. Uh, the killings then stop, and the dwarf killer is presumed dead. Uh, however, uh, 20 or so years later, he is back. And so uh, the detective behind the original case, Moretti, played by Max von Sydow, teams up with the son of one of the dwarf killer's murders, Giacomo, played by Stefani Dionisi, who was going out with Gloria, played by Chiara uh, Caselli. Um, and you've also got uh, Giacomo's best friend, Lorenzo, played by Roberto Zibetti and... Uh, uh, believe it's his uh, father yes it is uh dr betty played by gabrielle uh, lavia in the mix as well so uh sleepless is one of uh argento's many uh giallos there's no supernatural elements in this one and it is uh one of his better ones actually and certainly one of his better um later films one of the um one of the surprises of this marathon has been the way that I've heard, I'd always heard a lot of Argento's later films were a big pile of shit, um, kind of from the 90s or so onwards. But I enjoy, I, I mean, I enjoyed Phenomena. I, I thought Stenderhouse Syndrome was okay. And um, Sleepless is pretty good as well, um, though it's not without its problems. Um, its main one uh, being really that the uh, climax is, I think, rather overstretched and the main killer is a little predictable even though instead of the usual um one red herring and then bang there's your killer that argento usually does we've got two of them here and uh, um 
and the great thing about it is particularly the first one does feel completely plausible you're given an explanation as to why even though it's a rather simple one um or rather one note one and crucially how certain things have happened and so you can actually believe that it was this person behind it all um but then the the, the rugs kind of swept up from under you and um to be honest if you've watched a few giallos you could probably work out what's going on um by the end of the film really um what also doesn't help is that apart from max von sydow um pretty much every performance is really rather bad um i would have loved it if the film had concentrated on moretti more but despite the fact that max von sydow certainly does get top billing in the cast he's not in it as much as i thought he would be instead we kind of focus on giacomo played by stefano dionisi who despite uh having severe psychological trauma in his youth never appears that crazy really um instead he kind he tries to solve the mystery as most of the uh amateur detectives in these giallos do and gets involved in a rather complicated relationship with gloria played by chiara uh caselli who um just seems to want to have sex all the time and that's about the depth to which her character um goes uh, for those who would claim that Argento is a misogynist, Sleepless could certainly use that, uh, uh, could be used as an example. Um, violence against women is uh, many and often in this film. Uh, you've got women being cut up, women being punched in the head, all sorts of lovely stuff in there, which, um, yeah, leaves a bad taste in the mouth, it's got to be said. Um, and uh, Lorenzo, played by Roberto Zabetti, um, uh, yeah, rather um, caricature performance, I'll say that much. Um, but saying all this, uh, the murder sequences are some of the best of uh, recent Argento, at least. Uh, the first set piece, which goes on for far longer than I remember it doing, um, sets up the killer well. Um, despite the fact that this prostitute seems to be more of a crime um investigator than a than a prostitute um but uh the the suspense is well handled um you got this one kind of drawn out killing and then one which happens pretty damn quickly which uh catches you off guard actually and is uh, rather effective and then um and then it gets on with the mystery and what i also like about the mystery is the fact that with like the dwarf killer it kind of sounds like it's going to go oh, don't look now on you but um there's a really good reason as to why the killer's called the Dwarf Killer, which is quite out of left field. But when you actually think about it, that actually ties in with why the killings didn't happen for so... Why there was such a long gap in between. And so the actual reveal of the killer in terms of how it's all been set up is rather satisfying. It's just the fact that it is quite predictable at the same time. Um, the score is uh, one of the less ob uh, obtrusive of um, of a lot of Argento films. Uh, the score, just by um, a, 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 a frequent collaborator, Claudio Simonetti, um, is you know it's good. There's a couple of decent main themes in there. Um, I don't think it will ever beat the uh, the scores for Suspiria or Deep Red, but I don't think anyone's actually expecting it to, or Tenebrae for that matter. But um, it's it is good. Uh, the uh, the gore effects by uh, God, what's his name? Bear with me, folks. 
Sergio Stivaletti, that's it, um, are some of the best uh, gore effects actually in um, in uh, any of Argento's films. Uh, they they actually do look quite real, which uh, doesn't happen an awful lot. Um, but you know, it, um, uh, it is it is nice and and grisly, so uh, that's that's satisfying really. So um, yeah, I mean, if I, 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 and I should talk about Max von Sydow as well, who actually puts in probably the best performance of any Argento film uh, ever, and um, I think it's just because it's Max von Sydow. Um, he the the sense of kind of pain and regret in never quite finishing off this case and whatnot never quite believing that it was all done is uh really quite palpable actually and that's why I, I wish it did concentrate on him more and and you don't often get in argento films an old man being like the uh, uh one of the centers of the investigation in terms of actually doing the investigating so that was uh that was quite pleasing as well but um it, yeah it is still a bit annoying how he's not in it nearly as much as you want really but um yeah, I mean, I think overall the good actually outweighs the bad with this one. And if you um, if you haven't seen it, I think you should give it a shot. Even though, make sure you um, see the uh, subtitled version. Um, at least I believe there must be a subtitled version. Because uh, twice I've watched uh, it with some really, really bad voice acting. So I'm assuming there must be a subtitled version. But I, I'm not uh, too sure. So, hey. But, um, yeah. That is it for the Argento Marathon. So overall, um, I think I'd rank Suspiria and Tenebrae as his, uh, as it, as the two best of the marathon for me. Um, the Bird with the Crystal Plumage actually is, uh, actually yeah, I think it's kind of a, a three-way tie between those three. And considering how similar a lot of Argento's work is, I think those three films kind of sum up the uh the kind of free areas of of his filmmaking really bird with crystal plumage is his typical straight giallo uh suspiria is one of his actually not as many as you think there were supernatural films and tenebrae is the just ever so often um more kind of intelligent and self-reflexive work which uh which did impress me quite a bit actually um uh, but yeah, the uh, the worst one of the marathon for me was probably Inferno, even though I do remember um, somebody saying I should try and watch it again uh, with a decent transfer, which I, I will do one day, I hope. Um, what else? Oh, I love Phenomena as well, just because it was barking mad. Oh, that's up there as well. Do you know what? Considering that a lot a, a lot of people seem to slag off Argento, I, I, I enjoyed pretty much every single one of these films. Um, Inferno did bore me. Uh, Deep Red's middle third bored me. Um, but yeah, I mean, Stendhal Syndrome I'd never watch again, to be honest with you, but it was fine for a one watch. And yeah, I mean, if you haven't got into the world of Argento uh, and, uh, and you like what I've talked about... I would say, yeah, Suspiria, Tenebrae, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, and Phenomena are your essentials. And then if you want to go further, go further. But um, Phenomena is absolutely barking mad. So uh, just just bear that in mind. But uh, razor blade wielding monkeys um, should be seen more often on screen, in my opinion. But yeah, that's it for the Argentine Marathon. The uh, subject of the next marathon will be announced next week.
And that will do it for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Okay, coming up on next week's reviews, including the one big uh, awards season film, which kind of got shut out at the Oscars. So uh, maybe the quality of the film will show us why, as I review Sam Mendes' new film, Revolutionary Road. And um, not very well publicised in the UK, but the... uh, premise and uh, soundtrack have me interested i take a look at nick and nora's infinite playlist i'll also be announcing the next uh, marathon topic which hopefully won't take half as long as the argentu marathon um movie news uh probably try the talk and hopefully listen to feedback um so i've had a few good ideas um already for the marathon thank you very much to everyone who's contrib- contributed but you've still got another few days to uh get any suggestions in um I've, there there are a few that I'm seriously considering um so yeah but uh absolutely feel free to uh to add any more you'd like to hear um so you can email cineramapodcast at yahoo.co.uk uh you can just twitter me if you want um you can find me at twitter.com forward slash ian loring that's all one word uh votes on podcast alley always muchly appreciated um I will have this tumblr blog and I must thank uh Jim Moon for um switching me on to that um uh yeah so uh hopefully i'll be able to uh kind of do put stuff up that i talk about on the show on there or whatever like have show notes and whatnot which i suppose would be quite cool so uh i'll have details about that next week um and i think that's probably about it actually so uh i hope you have a good week um if you haven't already downloaded the death race commentary or the oscar nominations podcast uh you can do so if you want uh some more cinerama for this week um But yeah, uh, other than that, uh, until next week, uh, happy movie watching, and uh, the next episode should be up, I'm going to say Sunday, uh, with my work schedule this week, Um, but I've got next Sunday off, so there's no excuse to uh, get the whole thing recorded next Sunday, so uh, yep, next Sunday for your next episode. Right then, uh, catch you guys later. Alright, bye.